0: SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome, everybody, into another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. I am your host, Georgia Southern writer for Underdog Dynasty, Brian Stone, joined once again by Georgia State writer for Underdog Dynasty, Zeke Palermo. Zeke, we had uh, our first week of just straight Sunbelt Conference matchups. Uh, we had a couple of, you know, interesting results in some of these games, but it was good to see, you know, this conference sort of shake itself out a little bit and kind of isolate who are going to be contenders and who's just kind of the, re- the rest of the pack, so to speak.
1: Yep, we. Uh, I've been talking about this week pretty much, you know, probably for eight episodes now about just how much, uh, how more, how much more important these uh, conference games are, you know, as opposed to these FCS or SEC or what have you matchups earlier in the season, and uh, it definitely didn't disappoint this week.
0: Yeah, so let's go ahead and jump into the first game uh on the slate from this past weekend. Uh it was the the matchup of our teams that we covered. Georgia Southern took on Georgia State. Uh Georgia State came away with the 41 to 33 win uh over the Eagles. I everything that I said about Georgia Southern's defense and all of the flaws it had, I feel 100% validated. They mm-hmm. they absolutely came through with a garbage performance uh and and could not stop georgia state from doing anything either on the ground through the air they are now i believe the last i looked they are now 120th in the nca or fbs rat, ranks rather in total defense so they are now officially a bottom 10 or 11 defense in the entire country uh I said this before everybody said, jump down my throat on Twitter and said I was being too reactionary to the loss to coastal. I think it's time that they just move on from the entire defensive staff and just start over clean next year. Uh, I think it's really hard, you know, when you're six games into a season and you haven't seen an ounce of improvement, I mean, they're not getting better. If anything, I'd say they're getting worse than, than what they were after like week two against Nebraska. Uh, they, they, they played better against Ball State, and that's been the one little uptick. But the rest of it has just been absolute garbage. Uh, and then they also turned the ball over five times. So you're not helping your defense, which is already you know a liability by, by turning the ball over that much. But the defense, I mean, any time that you score 33 points in a game, you should win. And the fact that they were just – net this game wasn't even as close as the final score indicated. You, would you agree? Yeah.
1: No, yeah, certainly. Um, and a big part of that is because Kyle Ventrice threw four picks, right? Uh, he finished 359 yards, uh, 30 for 49 passing with four picks. But um, what left me disappointed from the Panthers' perspective was that they only got 10 points out of those interceptions uh touchdown, a field goal, and then punted on the two other interceptions. Uh, and that's what really stood out to me was just the uh, – there There were two times where you got the ball in great field position because Vantrese, you know, in this offense, is going to throw the ball 50 times a game. They g- gifted you the ball twice and you didn't do anything with it. And I thought uh, – based on that alone, I thought that the Panthers maybe got a little um, – I don't want to say they got lucky, but I, I think uh, – their inability to capitalize made the scoreline look a lot more uh, humbling than the game actually was.
0: Yeah, I mean, talking about Van Treese, I'll jump into the Georgia State side of stuff here yeah. in a bit, but I just want to kind of put a bow on the Georgia Southern side. Speaking about Van Treese, his stats—I mean, the the interceptions obviously are really bad. Uh, some of the decisions he makes, I I don't understand what he sees. I, I feel like in the pocket a little bit, even though they don't get he doesn't get sacked a ton, like he's so scared of getting hit that he just throws the ball to whoever. And I think at three and three and oh and two in conference play and essentially out of the race for the East at this point, I I kind of think it's time that you see what you have in some of your other quarterbacks, um, because this is Vantrese's last season. To be quite honest, I, I don't. I don't care that it's his last season in college. Like I'm not a I'm not a Kyle Van Trees fan. I'm a Georgia Southern fan. So yeah. if they're just going to be bad, I'd rather them just build to 2023 and just kind of you you got a bunch of quarterback commits that came in last year. And I'd like to see what those guys have and get those guys some game reps if you think that they're going to be in contention to kind of be or Staple of quarterbacks heading into next year. Cause you're not playing for anything at this point outside maybe maybe a bowl game, but like, I, I don't know, man, like you lose a couple more times. Like there's not any cupcakes left on their schedule to, to pad their record out. I mean, it's just straight conference games. So, and, and they truly do look like the second worst or maybe even the worst team in the East at this point. But on the Georgia state side of things, man, I was super impressed by their running game. I mean, Granger was tearing the Eagles up. I mean, again, this to preface, this is not a tough thing to do is to is to shred the Eagles defense at this point. But Jemiah Williams, Tucker, Greg, Darren Granger all looked great on the ground. And they I mean, they ran for three hundred and thirty five yards. You know what? It's kind of like what else can you say at this point?
1: No. Yeah, that's what uh that's what this team does is it'll be uh, Darren Granger. Tucker Gregg and then either Jam Williams or Marcus Carroll. Those two guys can just never seem to like line up a good game. It'll be either Williams or Carroll. But between the three of those guys, they rush just so, so well. And um, having spoken to Sean Elliott before and listening to him speak about, you know, what he thinks about football, I mean that that's what he loves. He loves to put your hands in the dirt and like if it was feasible football, I could imagine him wanting to play wing T. You know, that's not something he said explicitly, but like, that's the kind of thing, if that was a feasible way to play football, I could see that being a way that this team would go. Uh, obviously it's not, uh, and they've got a guy like, uh, Granger who can find, um, you know, there are two or three really deep threats, um, you know, thrash Lewis creedle, all guys that can catch a 20, 30 yard pass downfield and, uh, burn you deep. But I mean, it was just really impressive to see that, uh, that running game, uh, Play well uh, because you know when when they played Charlotte and lost that game to Charlotte, um, which was a real um, that was a very woeful loss. You know, got everyone starting to ask real questions about Elliot about this program. Um, they didn't rush well, uh, but when you rush well, you beat Army, you beat uh, you beat Southern, and um, I, I think we're we're trending upward for the Panthers. Um, just you know, concerned about that inconsistency after starting zero and four
0: yeah for sure and uh, on the on the Darren Granger front um I thought he played well in this game however he still had a couple of throws that got away with got away from him especially like when they really needed to convert yeah I, I mean it's all relative because they won but like when they needed to convert some third downs I was I, I saw some throws come out of his hand that I was kind of like well where was that going like who who was that intended for and it's a shame that he's a senior. And I don't know if he has like a COVID year exemption that he can kind of tack on and come back next year. But he he seems like the kind of guy that if you gave him like another year of seasoning where he was able to throw the ball like 200 plus times, I think he could be pretty good. But it, it's just he still, even for what he does well, he still has an errant throw in him here and there where you're kind of like, I don't. I don't know where he was throwing that ball or what what the decision was there. It's like sometimes the ball just comes out of his hand weird. And I don't I don't really understand it.
1: Yeah, his throwing I mean he he's a mobile guy and that's um where he excels when he was at Furman, he was running the ball more than uh more than he was throwing it. So that's just not the type of quarterback he is. He uh has only played four years uh in college. Uh so he does, I believe I don't know all the exceptions and clauses, but I believe he does have a COVID, extra COVID year of eligibility. But um, I don't know. I think he does what they need him to do, which is pass the ball deep, you know, four or five times a game uh, and then, you know, gain yards on the ground. So uh, I agree with you that, you know, if he could polish up some of like his mechanics, it's a little sloppy at times or his, uh, He's at times uh, reckless in the pocket, decides to tuck it a little too early. If he can straighten those things out, I think he can be a, a very good quarterback. I don't think he'll ever go to like, you know, the NFL level. I think he maxes out at these group five schools at college, but uh he's got he's got a chance to be one of the better Sunbelt quarterbacks if he sticks around next year. For
0: sure. I don't uh, this may be aiming a little high, although I don't know how these like quarterback whisperer type coaches that the pros work with in the off season work. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. I don't know if they are able to work with these college guys or not, but like mm-hmm. if he could get with whoever fixed, like Jalen Hurts's throwing motion who like improved a lot this year in the pros. Yeah. I feel like he could make some real strides, but uh, I mean, like I said, I don't understand. I don't know if the, with the COVID year stuff, like if he can come back another year or not. So we'll have to, we'll have to see how that goes. But all in all Georgia State picks up its first conference win and moves to 2 and 4 this season, 1 and 1 in Sunbelt play. Georgia Southern drops to 3 and 3 and 0 oh and 2 in Sunbelt play. Uh getting into the next game here, James Madison um James Madison let Arkansas State hang around for a while. I mean, mm-hmm. through 3 quarters it was 21 to 13. So it wasn't exactly like James Mattis was blowing, you know, the Red Wolves off the field, although the final score indicates that that may have been the case. But, you know, three fourth quarter touchdowns um, is going to make this one look a lot more one-sided than it was. Todd Centeo, uh, for, for the Dukes just continues to be sensational. Uh, 394, four touchdowns, only through nine incompletions on 37 attempts. Um Yeah, he may set all time Sunbelt single game passing records next week when they are this Saturday when they take on Georgia Southern. It's just it's going to be a bloodbath. But good good win for James Madison in this one. Uh, Just a minor little side note. uh, This game uh, hit the over, which is something that both of us had kind of agreed upon last episode. And James Madison covered the spread. So. Uh, all in all, I th- I'd say this game went just about how I expected it to.
1: Yeah, uh, you're talking about Santeo. Um, I mean, he's a huge part. James Madison, after this most recent AP poll, uh, first Sunbelt team first Sun Belt team this year to crack the poll. Uh, they're 25 going into rank 25 going into next week. So, yeah, Santeo, I think, uh, assuming Southern is as Swiss cheesy as they were against State, Santeo is going to, you know, dropped 450 if not 500 yards pretty easily um i was like you mentioned a little disappointed that they weren't able to pull away any quicker um you know they didn't neither team scored in the first and james madison as you said was only up uh 14 to 3 at half but i mean they didn't really put this game away until well into the fourth course so uh if we were to look at negatives for this game, which is what I love to do, it, you know I can't let any team go away without having a perfect game. It was just the fact that they, uh, they had a fairly dry first three quarters uh, signals potential when you start to play better competition. But at the same time, I, if you're JMU right now, you're looking at yourself and you're saying, maybe we are the best competition we're going to have uh, in the Sun Belt.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean... Um... You know, you look at the rest of their schedule, they get Coastal Carolina in the season finale. But other than that, I mean, you know, uh, we both think Georgia State has some potential. But like, I don't think they're as good as James Madison. Uh, You know, they play they play Marshall, who has week by week seems to look good. And then they act like they have never played football before when they play Troy. So. And then they play like Old Dominion, who struggles offensively. They play Georgia Southern, who, like I said, has, a, has an absolutely terrible defense. But I, I truly, I mean, not that it's going to matter because James Madison can't win the conference or the East, rather. I mean, they can finish first, but they can't go to the conference title game. But they play Coastal at home in the finale, and I think that'll be a really interesting game. Um, but then uh, I was looking as well, uh, Percy I, I don't want to butcher this guy's name, but I'm going to give it a shot. IGA Obese, their running back, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, played played well as well, uh, played good as well. 21 carries, 158, two scores. Um, yeah, man, like I said, th- this may have been just a little like they kind of let Arkansas State fly under the radar against them for a bit. Uh, but James Madison, I mean, clearly the the superior team. I mean... I say it was only 21 to 13. It's still a one a one score lead with a two-point conversion. So it's not as if like it was a field goal game back and forth. Yep. Um, but yeah, good win for James Madison, 5 and 0 uh, overall like you said got that top 25 uh, ranking 3 and 0 in Sunbelt play. Arkansas State drops to 2 and 4 and 1 and 2 in Sunbelt play. Uh just before we move on, I just thought I thought about this in my head i am ready to say that kirk signetti for the dukes is the second best coach in the conference behind chadwell chadwell i think it's chadwell and signetti and then i think it's there's a real tear drop off and then there's everybody else
1: no i'm with that as you'll remember and other listeners may remember i was very much poo-pooing james madison to begin the uh the season and uh as you told me earlier, uh, earlier in one of our earlier episodes, I've eaten crow heavily on them. Uh, this team is just absolutely far surpassed anything I could, uh, I could have pictured for a team moving from FCS to FBS. And, uh, so Signetti, I mean, hats off to him for having been able to make that transition, like to call it flawless would perhaps be an understatement here. It's just like, it's been better than I think anyone could have anticipated. And, um, I mean that's that's just applause worthy for for him.
0: Yeah, I I wasn't even as hesitant as you were, but I mm-hmm. still was like, I'm gonna temper expectations just because I don't know what to expect. Like they are, a, they were a top flight FCS team every year. I mean, they were. It was them and and North Dakota State, like every year, that had a chance to win the FCS championship. So I was like, I think they'll finish either fifth or third. Depending on what the other teams do, like Marshall and mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and, and where like App slotted in and all that, um, but yeah, I, like I said, you, I don't think you can, I don't think you can understate, like you said, the the job that he and the and the Dukes have done moving up this year.
1: Signetti, your pick for coach of the year for across the NCAA? because I think he would be mine if, if season ends today. I think he's mine.
0: here's the problem though if they trip up at any point right let's say let's say they lose to coastal in the finale i'm not saying that's going to happen but let's just say like for the sake of argument Mm -hmm. i think that they'll obviously fall out of the top 25 unless coastal is ranked also by that point um but i just think that there's going to be somebody I think that when it comes time to to vote for coach of the year, they're gonna they're not gonna give it to someone who's a G five coach, even though like Chadwell
1: even, won it two years ago. Yeah,
0: I I don't know, man. I just feel like I feel like they, there's a real, even though Chadwell won it, it was because they were getting a bunch of. um they were getting a bunch of primetime games due to COVID because there were games getting scheduled like all the time, which we never see. I mean, they played BYU like two weeks after they scheduled that game and it was on like national television. Um, I think they got a lot of, uh, uh, what do you call it? I think they got a lot of press because of, of that year and how wonky it was with games getting canceled left and right and games getting scheduled. And I, and they were sort of just like a, a darling team. And James Madison's been getting its props. But with this being more of a normal season, I mean, I could see I could just as easy see them giving it to like Steve Sarkeesian at Texas and being like, well, Texas was garbage before he got there and they were garbage Mm -hmm. last year. And now now they're, you know, a two loss team that lost to Alabama and then lost another game with a backup QB. So, you know, you have to kind of give that to him. I don't know. I, I don't like it. I don't like it, but I there is a real bias towards the power five as far as when it comes to giving awards and stuff like that. Um, so getting into the next game, a, a really surprising result. Texas State welcomes in App State, and you want to talk about a game that wasn't as close as the final score indicated. I cut this game on in the third quarter. App State was driving. Uh, they had it down to the Texas state six and they were down 24 to three. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And when, when chase Bryce dropped back to throw, I believe it was a fourth down. I said, app state's going to score here. They're going to end up going. It's going to be 24 to 10 and they're going to win this game. Having been down 24 to three, they're going to pull exact reverse of what James Madison did to them a couple weeks ago. And I couldn't have been more wrong. Tori Spears the the DB for the Bobcats picks off a pass and takes it 94 yards. The other way, yeah. Texas state takes a 30 to three lead. And that game was, that game was over at that point. Uh, it was like app state just had all the, all the life sucked out of them. And listen, Zeke looking That's at the nice. final stats, looking at the stats for fi- the final stats for chase price, you would think that he was very good outside of the pick six. However, all of that yardage and touchdowns and stuff came in absolute garbage time. Yeah. Um, I tracked, I wrote down what his stat line was before he threw that pick six. He was 15 of 19 for 150 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Okay. And then he throws that pick six. So he was not helping them in this game. And I sort of think this is lend a little bit of credence to like what I was saying in preseason where I have real reservations about his ability to win them games. And you saw it a little bit with the 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 28 to three comeback that James Madison had against them. And you see it here. I mean, they're down. They have a chance. And and I mean, he threw it. He hit Tory Spears right between the numbers with the ball. Yeah. So I, I don't know, man. Like and I see app fans on Twitter like they're calling for Sean Clark's head, which I'm like, unless you guys lose out, it's not happening. Like it, he's coming back next year. So you can go ahead and get over that um but yeah just a a weird uncharacteristic loss uh by app state here
1: you say uncharacteristic but i'm going to challenge you with this texas state scored in all four quarters 7 17 9 and 3 and what have i been saying about app state week in week out week in week out they do not play four quarters of football you know they didn't yep. against james madison they didn't against north carolina they didn't against troy this is not uncharacteristic. This is Texas State said we're going to play four good-ish quarters of football. Not you know not great, but good quarters of football, and we're going to let App State shoot themselves in the foot. It made well, I'm sure to call for Sean Clark's head, but you've got to cut this out. You've got to give me four quarters of football. It, it was uh, what twenty-four to three at half. That three only came on the final play of the half.
0: I, I say it's characteris- character- uncharacteristic because they typically don't lose games like this to conference opponents where, I mean, the game was over with like 10 minutes to go in the third quarter because they were in such, such a deep hole that there was no way they were going to be able to claw their way back out of it. Now, we've seen them lose ugly to the top of the conference last year with Louisiana. You saw it in that first matchup when they played on like a Wednesday or Thursday night or something like that. That was an ugly loss, but Louisiana won the conference Texas state. We've been talking about week for weeks. Now Spavadol being on the hot hot seat. I mean, Zeke, do you think this saved his job? I mean, it's one game, but like they're now 500 in conference play and for the season. Neither one of us thought that App State was going to lose this game. Do you think that Texas State now kind of has to reevaluate maybe what they have
1: in Spavital? I, I mean, he, he saves himself another day because now they play Troy next week or this upcoming week. You know, probably a loss. But then you play Southern Miss, which you can win. Then you play UL Monroe, which you can win, right? And you're looking at a very feasible five-win season, and that's better than they've been doing. Yeah, you don't fire your coach after you do better than you've been doing. So, yep. I, 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 he saved. His, I, uh, you know, it's not to say that this game is the sole reason Spav's going to keep his job, but he's going to see next year primarily because he beat App State.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, it, it, I think it depends on what they do the rest of the year. It, like, if if by some if by some token they lose out and they finish three and nine, I think he's still got to go. I think this will just be like kind of a sort of a blip uh, Mm. outlier. Um, But yeah, I mean, like I said, uh, you know, Chase Bryce, the final stat line looks great. 395, 13 incompletions, three touchdowns, one pick. But like I said, in the first half, he was just throwing a bunch of little short, efficient passes. And I don't know if it's because they lost all their receivers from last year to this year he's not really pushing the ball down the field until it's like absolutely necessary. And that killed them in this game because the running game never got started for app. Their leading rusher. Nate Noel had 19 yards on just five touches. Um, so it was all on his shoulders. And like I said, he, he was like Alex Smith back when Alex Smith played. I mean, it was like all just real check down safe. Got to keep my completion percentage high type type throws and Texas state. I mean, Lane Hatcher took advantage. He threw two touchdowns in the, uh, in the first half and Texas state. I mean, had the ball, you know, 32, almost 33 minutes of this game. So I don't know, man, like I said, it was uncharacteristic in that app state just absolutely got blown off the field. And people will look at this score and go, Oh, it's weird. They lost by two scores it shouldn't have even been two scores. I mean, they scored a touchdown with no time remaining in the game to pull within 12. It it could have just as easily been a 38 or 36 to 18 loss, which would have been maybe even not even as indicative as this, as bad as this loss was, they got blown off the
1: field. Yeah. Very, very, very very poor performance. And, uh, I, you know, it's just like, what do you make of App State now? I have no idea. Um, they're quickly plummeting down my like personal power rankings within the conference. But it's just like, you know, you lost to James Madison. Okay, JMU, we're talking about, might be the best team in the conference. You beat Troy. Troy's, you know, a pretty good barometer of a good, not great team in the Sun, sun Belt. But then you lose to Texas State. Like, which are you going to be? Are you going to be in between James Madison and Troy or are you going to be between Troy and Texas state? And it's just like, wait, I baffling, baffling. It.
0: I, I, you, you said what to make of app state. What I make of app state is they are with the also rands of the conference. Now mm-hmm. after, after, I mean, think about this Zeke Tech, Georgia state's two and four this season. They are still technically alive in the East. App state is not at this point. like, Everybody else has to lose multiple conference games. Coastal and James Madison have to lose both lose three conference games at this point to, or you know, or or get the tiebreaker or whatever with App. Like App doesn't control their own destiny. They've they've lost two games now where the second halves are have been atrocious. I mean. Yeah. They're with the also rants. Like it it was nice. It was a good little run with the Satterfield and Drinkwitz and, and even Sean Clark to a little extent, but now you're down with the Georgia Southerns and the, the, uh, the Troys and you know, all that kind of stuff of the world. It is what it is. You're just not, you're not the class of the conference any longer. Sorry. So with that, like I said, Texas State moves to 3 and 3 and 1 and 1 in Sunbelt play. App State drops to 3 and 3 and it's now 1 and 2 in Sunbelt play. Uh, getting into this next game, Zeke, I don't know if you saw this uh, on Twitter, uh, we had a couple of Southern Miss fans that were not happy with our pre-prediction of this game. Um, there were there were a couple people who were like these guys don't know what they're talking about. One of them says that this is a trap game for Troy and Troy's going to lose or uh, is going to win, but it's going to be close. And And he was talking about you and said that you said they didn't have enough offensive firepower uh, and and that they were going to, you know, they were essentially implying they were going to win this game. And yeah. this was never close. <laughs> <laughs> no, it I mean, I mean it, it was close in the first. OK, it was close in the first half when it was 10 to seven. Mm-hmm. But then Kimani Vidal comes out in the third quarter and and scores on a 10 yard run. And essentially the game was over at that point because Southern miss mustered just a field goal, the the rest of the game. So honestly, man, you were more right than I was. I thought this was going to be close because I was like, Troy needs to look out because they've done this before where they'll come off a couple of wins and look nice. And then it'll be ugly the next time out. And you were just like, I don't think Southern miss has the offensive firepower. You were right, man. Zach Wilkie threw three picks. I mean, one of them was a was an amazing play by uh, by a uh, Troy's uh, Colvin uh, to just snag a ball. I think he was one handed out of the air. But yeah, Southern Miss just doesn't have the offense to be able to keep pace
1: with a lot of these teams. Nah, holding Troy to twenty seven is like if you're if the opponent is scoring twenty seven, that's a winnable game, right? Obviously, you've got to... Put together a strong offensive performance yourself. But 27 uh, is outscorable. But look up and down Southern Miss's roster, and I don't know what type of delusional you have to be to like not see this. We thought Frank Cor was going to be the next Messiah. He's not, Right. There's no one else on this roster that has any sort of first of all name recognition, right? Which I think is a huge barometer. If you're looking at guys and you've never even seen their name, obviously you and I have a bit more are a bit more in tune, right? But if a casual is looking at this and there's not even a single guy on this roster that you can recognize, that's a great barometer. For I've never, I, what can you do? Jason Brownlee led uh, Southern Miss in offensive yards last game with 105 receiving because he caught the ball 12 times. That's under 10 yards of reception. Like, there's just nobody – like, I'm not – I'm not saying I can go out there and do better than these guys because these are talented football players that are being paid or, you know, compensated to play football at a very high level. But as compared to a team like Troy, as compared to other teams in the Sun Belt, offensively, they lack that. And, like – For people, Southern Miss fans, I get it, you're going to be a homer, but if you're an outsider or a neutral in this sort of situation, you've got to be some sort of, something's got to be loose if you're going to look at this team and say, yeah, they can outscore Troy, yeah, they can outscore Troy, notorious for having one of the best defenses in the conference, yeah, they can do that. Ridiculous. Ridiculous
0: well i I know Zeke that this is your first year uh doing the the pod full time but yeah, so one of the things you have to get used to is um anytime a team and i I've dealt with this for a couple year well for years now because I've been doing this a while uh on and off like probably going back six seven years uh when a team gets a little bit of momentum. They, their fans on Twitter think that they could beat, you know, the 1985 Bears or, mm-hmm. or whatever, the 2000 Ravens, like whoever, you know, they're like, we're the greatest team that's ever been put on earth, even though, you know, like there's flaws, but yeah. So what I'm saying is you'll, you'll deal with a lot of Homer homers on Twitter who want to like puff their chest out. And listen, I went through it just last year with app fans because last year, you know, they were in contention. They went to the Sunbelt title game. I, I went into both those Louisiana games. I was like, nope, this isn't going to happen. The Cajuns mm-hmm. are good. Cajuns are too good. Like, they, they're just too good. They're, their quarterback's better than Chase Price, And it happened both times. And both times when I, you know, predicted that, they acted like they were offended that I would say that. And I'm like, I'm just calling it like I see it. Yeah, I don't know what you guys have been watching, but like just because you don't lose or just because you haven't lost yet doesn't mean you're not in danger of losing at some point. So um, but but looking at this, Jared Daigie was okay. I mean, he threw two picks two thirty seven. He got the full the full game in. Uh, They subbed him in for Gunnar Watson. Yeah. yeah, I mean like I said, it, like you said, when you when you allow 27, that still sent my winnable game, but Southern Miss just doesn't have anything on offense outside of Brownlee, really. I mean, they, they don't I don't I'm not even really that impressed with Z- Wilkie. I've never I mean, I haven't seen anything from him this year that indicates he should be a starting co- quarterback in this conference. So mm-hmm. like I mean from from like a multiple game perspective, I mean he had a nice he had a nice game a couple weeks ago against I think it was Tulane, but like that was one game, you know, it, he hasn't he doesn't have a resume essentially is what I'm saying. But uh, yeah, good win for Troy. Like I said, it, it's pretty easy to win when your defense is only given up, you know, 10 points in a game. Uh, Troy moves to four and two and is now two and one in Sunbelt play. Southern Miss uh, drops to two and three and it's now zero oh and one in Sunbelt play. Uh, Let's get into a game uh, to close the night that was actually very close. I watched the end of this one. Um, What was it? Oh, Coastal Carolina defeated UL Monroe in Monroe, 28 to 21. Zeke, there was a moment in this game that that I was like, I held my breath because I I legitimately thought you Monroe was going to tie this game up with four minutes to go. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a fourth and two. Let me, let me tell you, let me, let me kind of set the set the stage too. So you've got um, Chandler Rogers, right? Yep. It's fourth and two from the coastal 13 with four minutes to go. Keep in mind, you can get a first down, even though you're at the 13, you can get a first down. They throw a ball in the back of the end zone, and the guy—I don't remember the receiver who it was—but he was wide open, and Rodgers just overshot him. Mm -hmm. And I, I sat there and I said, "Okay, number one, obviously it was a bad throw, but but number two, why, why are you gunning for the end zone? There, all you have to do is get three yards, and you have another set of downs to take shots at the end zone." I just didn't like this was one of those things like it made my head hurt the more I thought about it. Yeah. Um I will say Rogers played a very good game up until those throws. He started the game 19 of 19 uh and was, you know, perfect for a while. And he finished the game with only three incompletions, but that one at the end of the game was absolutely backbreaking and, and single-handedly, the lost the Warhawks, the game, because like I said, he he maybe even could have run it himself and gotten three yards. I mean, they were moving the ball at will against, uh, Coastal's defense, especially, you know, they get the ball, um, on Coastal's 31, uh, to start that drive. I mean, they only got 18 yards out of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven plays. Mm-hmm. So they almost averaged a yard, two yards of play, which is crazy to me. But yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, credit to Coastal for for pulling it out. But yeah, I think UL Monroe lost this one more than Coastal won it.
1: No, I agree. And as cliche as that is, I mean, Monroe got the ball at half, scored a touchdown to make it 28-21. Um, and that was the final score of the game. Mon- uh, Coastal went three and out. Monroe gives it away on downs. uh, Seven-play drive, punt, Monroe fumbles, you know? Another three and out, you punt. Another three and out. There were three three three-and-outs from Coastal in the second half. And Monroe just, like, couldn't – it couldn't even get a field goal out of it, let let alone a touchdown. So, um, obviously, again, as you said, don't want to discredit Coastal. They won the game. Um, But Monroe could have played a lot better in that second half, could have converted – Yards into scores, um, and had they done that, I think this outcome is even closer, if not going the other way.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, Coastal's offense is is like very streaky, and I saw it firsthand when they played uh, Southern last week. To open that game, neither team did very much. It, it really that game caught fire, like. Eight minutes, eight minutes left in the third quarter was when team, they just started trading scores back and forth. I mean, I sat there and was like, "This game is going to be weirdly low scoring for two teams that haven't played a lick of defense in this game." But it was just neither team could capitalize on opportunities. You saw it from Coastal here, like you said, three, what three, three and outs in the in the second half. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and, and then like I said, you know, Rogers throws one of his three incompletions for the entire game and it's it's essentially you know kaput after that point but you know like i said credit to to coastal Grayson mccall played fairly well 246 and a touchdown cj beasley had 115 yards uh on 15 carries 7.7 yards per carry and two scores um yeah, Coastal did just what they needed to do and and not an ounce more. It's <laughs> yeah. pretty much the best way I could put it. Uh, Coastal moves to six and oh and three and oh in conference play. Uh UL Monroe drops two and four and one and two in conference play. Um, so let's start looking ahead at this uh, week. Uh, we are recording this on Tuesday night. Hopefully we can get this out before tomorrow because tomorrow night, Wednesday night, Louisiana is traveling to West Virginia to take on Marshall. Uh, Marshall is a 10 and a half point favorite over under is 47 Zeke. I, this is not a popular thing to do in college football. I'm going to take the under of 47. um, both of these teams, you can look at the points per game and it's a little misleading because of, of some of the other teams, you know, lesser teams that both these teams have played and sort of padded their stats out. But the last couple of weeks, both these teams have looked offensively challenged. Mm-hmm. So I think this could look a lot like the Troy Marshall game from earlier, where I think the final was like 16 to nine or 16 to seven or something. Um I just don't see either of these teams sixteen to seven, and I don't. I just don't see either of these teams sort of lighting up the scoreboard. Marshall wants to run the ball with Laybourne. We don't know if Ali is coming back this year. Frankly, um, at this rate, I mean we're halfway through the season. Uh, Columbia has had his struggles. Uh, both of Louisiana's quarterbacks have had their struggles. I just don't see a lot of points being scored either way.
1: No, I'm with you on that. Um, Obviously, these teams uh, against in-conference opponents, Louisiana has scored 21 and 20, and Marshall has scored 16 uh, in the three conference games between the two teams. Um, So, I... 47... Sure, I'll take the under, uh, but Marshall at 10.5 feels lofty. Um, And maybe I'm being foolish here, but... I know they're on an 0-3 th- uh, run. I know they lost to Rice, Monroe, and South Alabama. But it feels like Louisiana is due. Um, and I know that's not how sports you know work. I'm not, I'm not usually a subscriber to, oh, they're due mentality. But Louisiana's got to win a conference game at some point. And I feel like if it's going to happen, Marshall might be their best chance um, although they've got Marshall, Arkansas state Southern miss, those are three winnable games for them. so uh I take Louisiana covering because I think they're just due for a win.
0: I agree if i if I had to I don't know that they win the game overall, I just don't see Marshall covering the spread. Um, mm. I don't know uh I don't know what Marshall's statistics have been this season trying to cover a spread as a favorite, but it can't be great. <laughs> because they don't they don't score a ton of points. Um I mean it, you look at the Troy game, even Gardner Webb they put an FCS school and scored 28. Really the biggest offensive explosion I I'm throwing the Norfolk State game out that Marshall played cuz it's Norfolk State. The biggest offensive explosion they've had all season is when they played at Bowling Green and lost 34-31. Other than that, I mean they've scored 26, 7, 28. You know, I'm like in 31, so that seems like an outlier at this point. Everything else seems to 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 signal to me that they're not going to score a lot. But I think Marshall wins, but I think Louisiana covers the ten and a half. I don't see a way that uh, Marshall sort of runs away with this game. Um, Getting into this one too, Coastal Carolina at noon on Eastern Time on Saturday is going to take on Old Dominion in Conway. Coastal's a 12 and a half point favorite. Over under is 56. I think I'll take Coastal minus 12 and a half. I just Old Dominion, you want to talk about another team that's like offensively challenged. I get that Jennings for Old Dominion is good, but this is another team that's almost like Southern Miss in that they have one weapon and that's it. So, I think Coastal even though they've looked pretty shaky at times in different spots this year, especially lately, you know, that Mm -hmm. game against Southern was way closer than it should have been. The game against ULM, like we just talked about, was way closer than it probably should have been. Those teams could at least score points, and Old Dominion does not really score points. They're averaging 21.6 a game. Yeah, give me Coastal minus uh, 12.5.
1: I'm with you on that. You know, as as much as we can talk about Old Dominion having the extra week uh, after not playing, or you know, catching Coastal on a bit of a slump, like it's the same thing. Like we talked about Southern Miss. Who does Old Dominion have? Who on that roster outside of Jennings? And I'm not even comfortable saying Jennings because I think it's more of a product of volume than from talent. Obviously, he's a good receiver, but I think he's benefiting a lot from having just you know the bulk a third of that uh offense's receptions. So uh, it's just like point to me anybody offensive or defensively that old dominion that is going to make an impact for old dominion in any chance of making this less than a two touchdown game for coastal.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um I I just think old dominion is is probably they're probably one of the bottom teams in the conference just because of their lack of offense. I mean, they play Mm -hmm. enough defense. Their defensive stats aren't great, but like, if you look at the games they've won and even the ones they got close where they played like Virginia, I mean, they play enough defense in key spots to keep them in games. They just don't score. So like all of their wins are like low scoring affairs. And I just don't see, I mean, coastal is averaging 35, a game, They average almost 460 yards of offense. I just don't see Old Dominion scoring to keep up with Coastal unless Coastal's offense just has, like, the yips or something. I don't know.
1: Over-under is 56-and-a-half. I'll take the under. Okay.
0: Um, So getting into this next game, 3.30 Eastern time kick. Troy welcomes in a freshly... I don't know upsetting <laughs> team in Texas State. uh Texas State coming off that big app state win. Troy is a 16 point favorite, which I feel like is high. uh Troy has done some nice things this year and I'm I just do you want another team that I just don't trust scoring a ton of points now. Watch me, watch them do exactly to Texas state what they did Southern miss last week and win by three scores. But I don't know, man, 16 seems high. And, and Troy doesn't seem to have like a quarterback that really is gonna, you know, power them. Like Watson has been shaky. Daigie wasn't great last week. I wouldn't, I I don't know. I guess, I guess Texas state plus 16. I, I just don't, I think I think I'll take the under of forty eight and a half too. I just I think this one's going to be pretty low scoring overall.
1: Mm-hmm. I know this doesn't make for great content, but I, I agree with you on that. I think Troy doesn't strike me, and you know you've been around the Sun Belt longer. So if I'm off base, jump in. But Troy doesn't strike me as a team that's going to lose games they aren't supposed to, and or win games they're not supposed to. Um, and that's how that's how it's been post Neil Brown.
0: Yeah. Um, When Neil Brown was the coach, they were a true. I mean, you didn't see it because App won a lot with Satterfield, but when Neil Brown was there, they were easily the second best team in the East. I mean, it was it was not really even a contest. So since that, when they've had Chip Lindsey, and now with this new coach, I I just I think this guy's got them going in the right direction, but it's gonna it's gonna take some time to get where they need to be offensively because right now they're just
1: not. They're not there. No, yeah. Uh, I'm with you on that. I think 16, I agree with you, is a little high. Um, although I think Troy has the defense to hold Texas State to maybe 14 points. Uh, so it's just a matter of how many points do you think Troy will be able to score?
0: Well, I, I, like I said, I'd tentatively take Texas State plus 16. I think the hope is that Lane Hatcher doesn't turn back into a pumpkin. Um mm-hmm. And and just, you know, throw two, three picks in this game and just take Texas State completely out of it. Um, So, yeah, that's that's kind of where we both stand on that. Uh, Four o'clock Eastern time. uh, James Madison travels to Statesboro uh, to take on Georgia Southern. JMU is a ten and a half point favorite on the road over under 67. I'm actually very shocked. JMU is only a ten and a half point favorite. I think. I think JMU could pretty much write in their score, to be totally honest. I think I, I may, I live in Kentucky. I may drive over to Indiana where sports gambling is legal and throw a little bit of money on James Madison minus 10 and a half. I don't think this one's going to be pretty at all for, for people who like Georgia Southern like myself. And that's just what, that's me taking away what they've done or haven't done play defense this mm-hmm. year. So I think James Madison absolutely rolls in this one. I
1: think 10 and a half is very low. I, 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 we talked about it at the top of the show. Santeo has just been lighting it up. I mean, 15 to one touchdowns interception. That's, I mean, that's borderline godly. Uh, and as we saw last week, as we saw against Coastal, Southern doesn't have a secondary uh, to speak of. Um, and to further compound that, James Madison Has done a very good job defending the pass, which is what Southern um, has been relying on for a bulk of their offensive production this season. So, 10.5, I agree with you. Um, Maybe I come pick you up from Kentucky. We go to Indiana together because I'm putting a mortgage on this one as well. (laughs) And if you look every time
0: that the Eagles have played a team with a semblance of a defense, Van Treese has turned the ball over. Um, You know, through four picks against Georgia State, through one against Coastal, through three against UAB, even Nebraska, a game that I thought he looked really, really good in he threw two interceptions. He cannot stop giving the ball to the other team. So um I that's another reason why I think James Madison rolls. I don't think they're gonna do what Georgia State did, what you mentioned, where they get if they get a turnover, they're just gonna like throw it away. And not, and not capitalize on it. I think JMU's good enough to absolutely capitalize on those mistakes. Oh, yeah. So, the, as soon as Trees throws uh, an interception, which, I mean, he will, uh, it's going to be like blood in the water uh, for the Dukes. So, like I said, hammer JMU minus 10.5. I think that's that, and the the over in Georgia Southern Georgia State that hit last week are the two easiest bets that I've seen all season. Um JMU, I, I'm, I'm legitimately not shocked. They are, I'm shocked they are not a 17-point favorite, to be totally honest.
1: Sure.
0: Um, so getting into this next game, 7 p.m. Eastern time on NFL Network, weirdly enough. Uh, UL Monroe travels to Mobile to take on South Alabama. Speaking of, South Alabama is a 17-point favorite. Uh, South Alabama coming off of uh, a week of rest uh, following their win over Louisiana uh, two weeks ago. I think South Alabama does roll in this one. I think now that they have got the momentum in the West as easily head and shoulders the best team on that side of the the conference, I think that they're just gonna they're gonna tee off on some of these teams they have to play the rest of the way. I mean, the tough it, it listen to the rest of this conference slate for the for the year that they have remaining. UL Monroe. Troy is their toughest game easily in a couple weeks. Um or, or, sorry, hardest game, hardest to, team that they have left to play. So that's one. But then they play Arkansas State, Georgia State, or Georgia Southern, Texas State, Southern Miss, Old Dominion. So basically, there's only one losable game on their schedule, and it's when they play Troy. Yeah. So I think that they are going to finish. Man, this is crazy to say. There's a legitimate chance South Alabama finishes this season eleven and one because if they beat Troy oh, yeah. they if they if they beat Troy they're 11 and
1: 1 which is wild to me. Uh yeah. Um I'm I'm with you on this. Just looking at that schedule I mean gosh, to be a team in the West this year man. That, that must be a dream cuz I, d- I don't know if South Alabama if you put them in the East. I don't know if they go obviously they don't go 11 and 1 but like are they the third fourth best team in the East? Uh, If you move them over.
0: Well, I I also think the fact that they avoided in the scheduling, like you said, staying in the West, they basically scheduled the bottom of the East and then all the other West teams that are struggling. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I don't know what a and I guess we'll see it in the title game between uh, Coastal, presumably, and South Alabama. I, I don't know what a South Alabama James Madison game would look like i'd be interested in seeing it but we won't see it this year under any circumstances so yeah it, it's crazy to me that south alabama could finish the season 11 and 1 i didn't even realize that until i looked i mean they're only they're the only power five team they played this season they lost to ucla by one point they don't play another power five school the rest of the year
1: all right It's just like, that's how it goes, right? You you draw a really, really good uh, year where you're playing Southern, where you're playing Old Dominion out of the East. Uh, You beat the only team that would have really competed with you in UCLA, and that'll happen. That's just kind of how it goes. I I don't have a ton to say because we didn't get to really watch South Alabama last week, Um, but it's just like we were talking two weeks ago about – man, South Alabama might be the best team in the West. And after uh, Louisiana's performance, um, they had a week off. But, like, I I don't know. I just don't have a ton to say because I feel like it's pretty cut and dry. Yeah. So, uh,
0: getting into the last game of the night, Arkansas State is going to take on Southern Miss 7 o'clock Eastern time. Southern Miss is a a three-and-a-half-point home favorite. This is going to make the The fans of the Golden Eagles mad again. I I think I'll take Arkansas State straight up in this game. I think yeah. they win the game. I think they have more offense. I think Southern Miss. We've talked about this. Does not have enough offense. uh to to keep pace even with with Arkansas State and Southern Miss's defense is not that great. I mean, they give up three eighty four a game, so. I think Arkansas State wins this game. I I mean, I don't, I just don't know where the points for Southern Miss are going to come from. I had that concern last week when they played Troy. They didn't score any, especially in the second half. So, I mean, I just don't, I don't know where the points are coming from. So, give me Arkansas
1: State. I'm with you. I mean, just pick a number 21 through, you know, 38, and that's how many points Arkansas State can and will score. It's just whatever number. In that range, you want to say they're going to score it. Southern Miss, I don't trust them to score more than seventeen. And that's all it is. Arkansas State scores points. Southern Miss doesn't, and that's what this sport is about: who scores more. It's going to be Arkansas State. Um, and at an over fifty, uh, over under fifty-four and a half, I might take the under here just because. I mean, you're asking Arkansas State to put up forty points of their own. That, that's that's not super easy so uh i'll take the under but uh arkansas state definitely plus three and a half
0: yeah i i like the under pick actually uh i could see the final score of this one being like thirty five to fourteen
1: that that feels super super feasible
0: or thirty to fourteen or or twenty eight fourteen something like that i just don't yeah. i could see southern miss playing a hint of defense but out the two lane game the further we get away from it seems like an absolute outlier. Like it was an absolute one-off that will not happen again. Um, But yeah, give me, give me Arkansas state. So as we sort of wrap up here, uh, seek, is there any, are there any Sunbelt games that sort of catch your eye? Um, It's a little bit of a tough week for this, kind of portion of the of the broadcast because it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of top teams playing a lot of bottom teams mm-hmm. as, as far as this goes so but is there anything that kind of excites you I guess uh, about this week's slate?
1: obviously having a game on Wednesday just excites me because now we go Wednesday Thursday with football there might be in the new of your Friday games uh, from from Uh, Friday and Saturday games, so I just love the idea that we have football on Wednesday. That gets me really giddy. Um, But I'd like to see Coastal be a bit more dominant than they have been and fix their offensive woes against Old Dominion. Um, And obviously that being a noon game, there's not much else going on uh, at that time. So I think that'll be the game I'll be watching most closely uh, just to see if they can figure out this slip that they've been experiencing over the past couple weeks. Sure.
0: Uh, So I think the one thing that I'm looking for the most is not even so much of a game. It's just Mm -hmm. a, an overall performance. I want to see if Texas state can keep this momentum from beating app last week. Um, They, they play a tough team in Troy with a good defense, but I just want to see if they can kind of string together. They don't even have to win this game. I just I'm I'm looking to see if they are competitive and and keep pace with Troy and don't just, you know, sort of say, eh, you know, that was nice last week, but we're just going to fold like a, a cheap suit this week against a good defense. So we'll have to see if that takes place. Zeke, uh, as we sort of wrap up here, any final kind of parting thoughts and, and tell folks where they can find you on social media?
1: Uh, no, I think we hit everything. But I am on Twitter for the Southern Miss fans. You can hit me directly <laughs> at Zeke Palermo, Z E K E P A L E R M O. I expect to see you in my mentions. If not, I will be quite sad that you wouldn't say it to my face. Uh, Brian, how about yourself?
0: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Watch the Stone. Uh, I have been at war with several Sun Belt fan bases for a while now, so I. i i I know what it's like man uh uh so overall uh thank you everybody and this has been another edition of the underdog dynasty sunbelt podcast